Welcome to Girls Lead Podcast, where we lead the focus on societal issues shared by women. We're your hosts, and every other Thursday, we will have a new person and new stories to talk about. If you have a story that you would like to share and are interested in being featured, please direct message our Instagram account at Girls Lead Podcast. Hi everyone, Trinity here with another episode, and today we will be talking about the lack of representation of POC in media. Well, specifically film. I remember that sometime in 2015, the list of Oscar nominees for the 87th Academy Awards was majority white. Like, no POC were nominated. I don't know, but that's kind of crazy to me. I mean, you probably know the movie Selma, the critically acclaimed film about the civil rights movement that received the Best Picture nomination that year, but not one actor was nominated. There's something extremely wrong with that. Best Picture nominees always have their actors nominated. The lack of nominee of color stems back to the lack of roles given to POC in general. Only seven black women, for example, have ever won Best Supporting Actress, and the majority of those roles were either slaves or servants. A black woman did not win Best Actress until 2001, when Halle Berry made history for her role in Monsters Ball. And guess what? That film was about racism. It's important to know that the Academy is dominated by white males, 77% male, 94% white, to be exact. How is it acceptable to have such demographically uniform individuals represent a diverse population? Remember new adaption film of Peter Pan that was titled Pan? Well, Tiger Lily, a Native American character who is played by a white actress, is a blatant example of whitewashing in Hollywood. This is a case comparable to Johnny Depp starring as a Native American in the tanked film Lone Ranger last summer of 2015. Native Americans make up 2% of the U.S. population in 2010, according to usnews.com. But in 2008, only 3% of roles in TV and films had Native American actors and actresses. Although the role of Tiger Lily is fundamentally racist, stereotypical, and problematic, it exists as an opportunity for an unknown Native American actress to be elevated to a higher celebrity status and to raise women of racial disparities in the media. The Tiger Lily case is only a recent example of the existing travesty of the amount and quality of representation of people in color in media in 2015. According to a study by USC, across 100 top-grossing films of 2012, only 10.8% of speaking characters are Black. 4.4% are Hispanic and 5% are Asian, while 3.6% are from other or mixed race ethnicities. The same study noted the lack of positive roles assigned to the few people of color POC characters. The roles written often perpetuate stereotypes, whether it's in sassy, independent Black woman, the spicy Tina maid, or the nerdy and emotionless Asian student. Children of color often grow up believing that they are ugly, undesirable, and unintelligent because they do not see their skin color represented in the TV shows and movies they watch. They see white children as the standard and themselves as misfits or outsiders. This also extends to books, magazines, cartoons, and etc. This lends to drops in self-esteem ranging from mild to severe inferiority. The overrepresentation of white characters in American culture contributes to the systematic oppression of people of color. 
Negative stereotypes perpetuate discrimination, eurocentric beauty standards, provoke low self-esteem, whitewashing. Like in Pan, it erases POC humanity. Essentially, all of this bad stuff is happening to us because media influences personal opinion. The media currently communicates messages that affect the way others think about POC and how people of color think about themselves. But that's just something you have to remember and keep in mind and have this opinion or form an opinion on the concept of the lack of POC in film. And this is where we're at today. It's not a happily ever after, but the U.S. is never like that with different opinions that often cause conflict. That's a wrap for the history portion. Now let's turn to casual convos with Lillian. Hi, I'm Lillian, and welcome back to Casual Convos. Today's convo is with Sholay, a video creator on YouTube who makes commentary videos on various social and cultural topics. You can find her on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at underscore S-H-O-L-A-Y-Y underscore. In your video, Lack of Representation in Movies slash TV Shows, you mentioned that many dark-skinned characters are whitewashed to be light-skinned when adapting to film. Do you think this is a result of the movie industry wanting to seem progressive and diverse, while staying as close to the status quo as possible? Yes, indeed, I would say that. Um, At times we tend to see people having this envisionment of what model minority looks like, or what a specific model of what a minority needs to portray online or in the movie industry in general. And we tend to see people move closer to the European beauty standard, which is tend to be light skin, really pretty eyes, really loose coiled hair and everything like that. And it seems as though it's bending between, oh, we wanna go ahead and be inclusive, but at the same time, we need to have certain status quos being filled in. We need to have certain people watching and everything. And if we just have a whole bunch of dark skin people, we might not get the desired audience that we want. As we know, having a larger, audience that tends to be more suburban tends to bring more numbers in so it's as though if you are featuring a certain kind of people that's a certain demographic you're going to get but that certain demographic does not bring in the money people do not cater towards it so yes i would definitely agree with that question okay and the second question is i've noticed that in many tv shows featuring a black family the dads and the brothers are usually darker than the mom and the sisters do you think gender plays a role in the proliferation of light-skinned black girls in tv shows and movies Yes, I do believe so. It tends to be as though that lighter skinned women are the ones that are portrayed better in TV shows. Because whenever we do get dark skinned people or dark skinned women in TV shows, they have negative stereotypes that are linked towards them a lot of the times. We have shows like uh, the Jamie Foxx show, the show with Martin Lawrence and everything like that. Whenever they were going ahead to show dark skinned women, it's either they're super aggressive, they're rude, they have these ghetto stereotypes that people link towards them. But whenever you see these shows with lighter skinned women, it seems that they're soft and more feminine and everything like that. And it plays into the roles on how people see actual dark skinned women in real life. And a lot of these people do not realize what they're doing when it comes to casting these people. It seems that people like to gravitate towards stereotypes. They like people being depicted like that because they feel more comfortable like that. But the minute they don't fit the stereotype, then all of a sudden they're not the ideal. And I feel like through social media, we're starting to see a breakdown of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of you know, stereotype breaking, especially on YouTube where like, you know, you have more freedom to like choose what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen multiple like dark skin women that like present in like a very feminine way. Like they wear like pink, they wear like girly girl stuff and whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know what that 
kind of is like maybe lace I don't know what are the stereotypical girly girl stuff yeah like, like lace pink. pink and stuff baby yeah. blues I feel like it's interesting when it comes to conversation with YouTube though because it's like whenever you see a black woman on YouTube nowadays it's like she's educating people she's oh talking yeah the girl stuff, is in right? commentary <laughs> yeah like, she's very, she does really good videos though she's awesome yeah, but, yeah, I love the black girls who are doing commentary right now. But at the same time, we need to get away from just always yeah. feeling like we need to educate people all the time. We are allowed to be ourselves. We don't always have to be full of books and knowledge. Like sometimes I just want to say out of pocket stuff <laughs> and just be fun with it. But it's like the only time people really want to listen to me is when I'm talking truth. And the thing is, I enjoy doing that, but I like to mix it up. So yeah, yeah. seeing that also in movies too does relate to that yeah yeah and I think the very specific type of commentary that a lot of I see black girls doing is more like political like in-depth stuff it's not like the funny um Drew Gooden the other one that looks like him uh <laughs> commentary where they're like doing movies like fun movies not just like some fancy film like they're doing mm-hmm. like stupid movies they got to be funny and make sketches yeah. and jokes and stuff and like I don't see that at all with any of the um black commentary creators that I follow yeah, because uh, yeah. people just want the information the solid hard information from them exactly. but the white dudes are allowed to be funny <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah we had there was a lady um khadija she's actually on youtube she's amazing yeah i've um, heard of her. Shout out from her yeah you've heard of her mm-hmm. yeah, yeah she's, like- she popped in my recommended because i watch a lot of commentary videos okay okay cool yeah like she she's amazing she was even talking about that as well in a couple of her videos like i guess last month or two months ago where it's like a lot of these black girls who are now joining the platform they feel like they need to stick in a box because no one's really gonna listen to them and other things as well so i just feel like maybe if a lot of us start branching out into doing different things like uh, madison madison she's not doing music commentary and talking about more about movies and stuff like that i really love seeing that and like for me for sure i want to like go ahead and radicalize my content a little bit more so yeah yeah for sure yeah I definitely think that there needs to be a lot more like difference in content like especially like Mm -hmm. vlogs because when you look at like vlogs on the internet it's mostly like white girls like drinking their green smoothies and stuff yeah I think definitely like (laughs) it's kind of veering off topic but it's it's like a good discussion (laughs) yeah for sure I'd say that like a lot of them start their platform elsewhere it's really difficult to start a platform off of youtube unless you're consistent but like on like tiktok or like instagram you can just have one post that just blows up and you have a platform of your own so yeah i would definitely say that for sure that if more people go ahead and start building the platforms off of youtube and start like building different things that they're doing they can definitely get into vlogs but straight off the bat vlogs and nobody knows you no one's gonna want to watch right yeah because it's just like another person especially the content's really similar Mm-hmm. Like a lot yeah. of times people stay for the person not necessarily the content like they'll watch a person do anything and they'll yeah watch. that's also true yeah yeah and the way they look also plays a part as well like you can have a mm-hmm. funny personality but if you're not aesthetically pleasing people are not going to watch you as much that's what i really noticed that's why many of us commentary girls we're either doused the makeup or have super clear skin so so yeah that does definitely play a part okay i'm gonna go on to like what was it the third question okay <laughs> So there is a lack of girls and women of color in Hollywood, and a lot of times when they are on screen, they are the best friend, made into a secondary character with little to no backstory, always there for the main, white, girl protagonist, while she vies for the affections of her crush, even though the protagonist constantly mistreats the best friend. Mm -hmm. Do you think this has connections to the real world, where women of color, especially Black women, are sidelined, made secondary characters, quote-unquote, in areas where they should be main characters, quote-unquote, like in social movements? Yes, indeed. Um, We can definitely talk about feminism in this conversation for sure, because it seems as though that 
feminism space is now white women, while women of color, specifically black women, native women are in the back burner. Like they're going ahead to bring all this research, research and talk about all these different issues and topics, but it's like feminism now is just sexual liberation and showing of the nipple when young girls are getting mutilated in different third world countries. It's like, there's more things to talk about. And when you constantly have women of color in the sidelines, you have this portrayal that it's only one way when feminism is intersectional. A lot of these things, a lot of these people are intersectional. They don't just fit in one box. And when you continuously put people in one box, they're limited. Just like those best friends in these shows and these movies, you get to see a little glimpse of their own life, but because of the side character, you never get to see any of it because you're only focused on the protagonist who usually is dumb. They're playing around, they're doing dumb stuff with boys and stuff like that. You obviously see that the side friend could be the main character, but they're not put in those positions. So giving the allowance, not just from women of color, but having white women who are at the front, usually they should go ahead and use the platforms and also the space that they have to share with other women as well. Because if you constantly just push this agenda all the time, you're going to leave other women apart. So yeah, I agree with that question. Yeah, it's definitely like, and especially if we could talk about in film specifically, like, you know, all those cute little Netflix original series and movies Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the ones where they're like they're like the character's just allowed to be you know mm-hmm. and it's not like some serious traumatizing black trauma porn movie mm-hmm. or whatever because yeah. i see that a lot like mm-hmm. they're just allowed to be fun do their makeup go to school and mm-hmm. like you don't see a lot of that you don't see a lot of like black joy on screen like no. they don't get to be the whole netflix yn type person you know yeah because a lot of those movies cater towards a specific audience. They, we saw those more in the early 90s, going into 2000s and stuff like that, where it was mainly catered towards a white, uh, oh, sorry, a Black audience. But nowadays, lots of movie um, directors and everything, they want to have their audience be portrayed to warm white suburban people because they drive the sales, they drive the money. They're the ones who are usually part of a household. So it's as though that when you have people who are being portrayed that look a lot like them or close to whiteness, it drives the numbers. It's not catered towards just black people. But the thing is we've seen over time that even when it comes to movies, when you have a certain movie being portrayed to black people, they will run up the numbers. That's what we saw with Black Panther. Black Panther was that movie that got to the billions because you cater towards a specific audience. But the thing is, lots of people still don't see the worth in that. So, yeah, hopefully we do get more in the future where Netflix actually pours money into Black creators and actually create something cool like that. But yeah, I actually cannot remember a single like Netflix original series that has ever featured like a dark woman that's like a dark skinned woman mm-hmm. from like, I don't know, like current times like I don't know maybe there were some from the 90s but even then I think they had a specific amount like of light-skinned women like mm-hmm. you know the recent uh I think it was a Netflix original series correct me if I'm wrong Ginny and Georgia mm-hmm. uh, the main character was fairly light-skinned mm-hmm. in fact there was this one scene I think in the series where like the only other black character in like the entire series that wasn't her dad <laughs> yeah uh, who's like I think fairly dark-skinned like she was commenting on how when Ginny put on the wig she looked white uh-huh. she could pat well I mean, I guess if you looked up close, you probably wouldn't, you probably would be able to tell that she wasn't white, but like from mm-hmm. a distance, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about like how when Netflix features a black woman, it's usually like a light-skinned woman. And yeah. some are even fairly close to white passing, although I can't really tell because yeah. not my place. Uh, 
I get that. Yeah. I would say that they do it more for marketing, marketing yeah. outrage. They do it more towards getting people enraged. We've seen that multiple times, actually, where it's as though that like we've seen this with makeup companies, they will show their shade range and the the last shade is like a paper bag and lots of people get upset and outraged and then they bring up the marketing and they bring up all the money and everything and then when everyone's gotten pissed off and all the people know about the product that's when they go ahead and change things so i feel like that's the same thing with a lot of these next netflix films we'll get to a point where we keep screaming and yelling and shouting about it and then all the shows that we're talking about more people get to know about it because there's outrage linked towards it and which creates more money for them and then eventually they'll just throw one pity show at us saying, oh yeah, we finally have inclusion. We finally have one dark skinned person in the front. And then everyone will be like, okay, fine. That's all right. Until it happens again. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go on to the next question now. There are various stereotypes. It's kind of relates to like what we've been talking about related mm-hmm. to women of color in the media, such as the spicy slash sexy Latina, the submissive mm-hmm. and cutesy Asian girl, the dragon lady stereotype, and Black women either being shown as unsexual caretakers or as sexually deviant women hooking up with and seducing lots of men. Mm-hmm. These stereotypes either veer into desexualization or oversexualization, both mm-hmm. giving the characters no sexual agency and by extension, decreasing the perceived and real life sexual agency of women of color. Do you think these stereotypes in the media have led to romantic life trouble for yourself and other girls of color, especially in terms of desirability or fetishization by partners? Yes. Uh- hundred and ten percent yes I would say that instead of people just looking at women of color or black women or me specifically as just entities of our own we are always likened to the stereotypes that are being fed to us through social media through films and television in general and it seems as though it kind of breaks us down into just not being just human beings we're actually just a fraction of another stereotype and it can be hard when you're at the opposite end of a stereotype if it's fetishization which is horrible indeed you still have a plethora of mates and people to be with but when you're on the opposite end it's as though that when you not express yourself apart from the stereotype like there's something wrong with you there's something different why aren't you going again why are you going against the grain kind of thing and it's like not understanding there's a spectrum of women there's a spectrum of how we behave and everything like that women now expressing themselves as sexual beings is now looked as a negative thing. So let's say for instance, there, we are honing the fact that, oh, we're being fetishized or we're honing the fact that we're spicy and we're Latina or we're going ahead to be the Jezebel in society and we're taking it upon ourselves. People now look at that as a negative thing when they're not profiting off of it. But when people are making money directly from it, everyone seems to look at it as a good thing. That's what we see with music nowadays. When people like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are going ahead to hone into their sexuality and do whatever they want, people are upset because they're not making money off of it and they're at the opposite end. But the minute the producers and all the people up top who are making money off of it, they don't have anything to complain off of. So just understanding the fact and the exchange of how exactly does it help you with the stereotypes that you see? Are you profiting off of these stereotypes on in a good way or in a bad way? How is it affecting your love life and how is it affecting people in your surroundings? So as women, I feel like that's something we need to talk about within ourselves and how we fit in society. Are we going ahead to use these stereotypes for good to the point where it's educating other people? Are we going ahead to use the stereotypes to our detriment as women, as women in different categories? Because yeah, it's nice to, excuse me, be that sexual woman, but at the same time, like 
Is it affecting other women that look like you? Is it affecting them in the household? Is it affecting them in their everyday life? If you're constantly going over this spicy Latina ideology, what if another girl is not a spicy Latina and she looks just like you? Is that going to affect her later on in the line? We've seen women also talk about the whole um, Mia Khalifa situation, where it's like, because she was portrayed in a certain way in a certain industry, all the women who looked like her now started getting backlash for it. They were treated a certain way in front of other men and it affected their love life. And to this day, Mia Khalifa is still paying for everything that she's done in the past, even though it was like, what, less than a year she was even in that industry. So, I mean, that's something definitely that we should talk about, but yeah, I do agree with that question. <laughs> These are good questions you're firing at me. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. yeah. Um, I was wondering, do you have any um, experience with inner community colorism, like specifically around like romantic partners and stuff like that? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no, I can say. Um, I would say for me personally, I've been the all right dark skin, meaning I'm not all the way dark, what, even though I think I am, and I'm not all the way light. I'm just in the middle. I'm acceptable. I've gotten from aunts and uncles that, oh yeah, I used to be light as a child, what happened, you know? And then I've gotten from various men, it's like, oh yeah, like you you fit just in between, you're chocolate. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's conflict because growing up, I had issues with my skin tone and being thrown bleaching creams before and given them and thinking that, oh, this would make me feel better. But at the end of the day, when you already look at how skin, the skincare industry is like when it comes to people of color or darker skinned women, you use these products over time and it lightens your skin. It damages your melanin eventually over time because of all the chemicals that are inside of them. So me going ahead to use these bleaching creams and using the, all these skincare routines and everything like that that are not already not good for my skin, already conflicts with what how I feel within myself and just feeling as though that where do I really fit in? Yes, I'm dark skin, but I'm not dark skin because my skin doesn't look like purple in the light, you know? So it's kind of just like conflicts within how I feel as a person and how people perceive me. I'm more comfortable with my skin now because of the research I've done and the movies I've watched and the way that I've built my self-esteem. But at the same time, it's like, I have to understand that me playing a part in society, being a dark-skinned woman affects women who are darker than me. So I have to be smart how I'm portraying myself in social media, or how I'm portraying myself in society, because there are darker-skinned women that have way worse experiences than I do. And I'm blessed to have been born where I am, and it's not that difficult for me, but I know people back home who look just like me who are going through way worse, where people think that being light is right all the time, even though there's detrimental effects that come with that. So. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something I'd like to add to that conversation. A lot of um, skin whitening products are re-inventing um, themselves as skin brightening products, so that it's even more exactly. insidious because mm-hmm. now they're they're actively trying to trick people into lightening their skin. Because mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of times when something says brightening, it really just means lightening, especially exactly. if it has like acidic stuff in it. A lot of times, like it may damage your skin tone, even mm-hmm. when it doesn't, even when it's not actively trying to, like. I heard of like, what was that? That one brand that everyone was loving last year's. I don't know. It had like a bunch of serums and stuff, but a lot uh, of the stuff. The ordinary? Uh, yeah, the ordinary, yes. Yeah, okay. It had a lot of products that like actually damaged the skin of like people of color. Like, mm-hmm. and people didn't know about it. So they were using these products and it like kept damaging skin because it wasn't like, it didn't, they didn't explain that it wasn't created for their specific skin. 
Mm. which like it's just awful like because like you think that like something like washing your face or like adding a serum to like maybe get rid of some pimples like isn't gonna harm you like Mm -hmm. your skin and stuff and like somehow exclude people of certain skin tones but somehow it ended up being like that which is so yeah it sucks it's like you have to like double check and like start checking every single ingredient to make sure it's not affecting your skin but it's out in the public so now you have to like be careful so yeah for sure okay so this is one of the this is the very last question seeing someone like you portrayed on screen as a one-dimensional stereotype can be very hurtful has the amount of stereotypes in the media of women of color specifically black women as you are one led to decreased confidence in yourself yes Indeed. Yeah. I felt like there was only a specific way that I was meant to be portrayed to others. Like I would say definitely in high school growing up, I was that one black friend. I was a token black friend for a lot of people thinking that, oh, like fitting into the stereotype of being a sassy black friend and constantly being funny or like saying jokes will keep me like in the now or being in the, I guess, social hierarchy of school, but not understanding the fact that (laughs) the real world does not work like that. Being the friend that's the token is not fun because it's like all the time, it's always a gimmick. I'm not 100% myself because I'm trying to appease everybody else and be that funny friend. And after a while, when I transitioned out of high school, I realized, okay, like, let me actually find what my real identity is it's not the token black friend it's the friend that actually likes going ahead to try different things I like hiking I like reading I like going ahead to do research I like doing so many other things out that wasn't exactly who I was in high school so I feel like many black girls have to go through that discovery stage where it's like apart from being the friend that's the only POC or the only black friend who are you? You know, you can't just use your whole entire race as your identity. That's not fun. It's tiring. Being constantly conscious of like the fact that I'm black and the fact that people treat me a certain way or the fact that there's stereotypes out there is constantly damaging. You have to get to a point where you allow yourself to have black joy, but at the same time, understand that, hey, this is a world that sees me in a different way. How am I going about that? So yeah, stereotypes do play a part in the way I have acted in the past, how I I still act to a certain degree. I do feed into certain stereotypes and not realize it because of what I've been fed in media or just subconsciously what I receive. And it's just harmful when you constantly participate in it and not know who you are. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're describing someone, like what their characteristics are, uh, white girls and like white boys and white people in general, like you have to drop the whole white thing from the front of it so they can just be the nerdy person or the jock person or the cheerleader person but when you're like a black person or like a person of color I think I don't know if it extends everyone but I definitely seen it like you're the black nerdy girl or you're the black this and that and they don't and you don't just get to like forget the race like to white people I think that like race is less of an important part of like identity it's it's obviously more of ethnicity a lot of white people can mention mention what ethnicities they are but like the fractions mm-hmm. I can do that uh <laughs> but like race is not as important like in terms of like personal identity because mm. it doesn't matter yeah when someone perceives us like me being white is not gonna affect someone's like like my job prospect specs or whatever mm-hmm. yeah despite what the conservatives will tell you it really does not <laughs> um, white yeah. women are the most affected by affirmative action mm-hmm. we actually get the most benefits out of it yeah people don't just... remember that <laughs> trying to divide people shouldn't yeah. work but it does yeah, um I- yeah so it's definitely like yeah 
because yeah. we were doing an activity actually in one of these um camps I was in it was like called the social justice academy or, <clears throat> or whatever um and we were like mentioning important characteristics about ourselves and I actually thought to myself like I should include my race because it is something that people see when they see me and like it's kind of weird how like most people when they're like white they think of like non-racial characteristics when describing themselves like they don't automatically describe themselves as like white as like an important part of your identity so like I thought maybe I should just mention it because it's pretty important like race is pretty important how people perceive you so mm-hmm. I thought like why are white people deracialized while all people of color are like racialized constantly like yeah mm-hmm. and not yeah. like in the whole like don't see color thing because that's like ridiculous like <laughs> if you have eyes you can see color exactly weird yeah you were totally right with that. I feel like taking the, your race as a whole entire identity is something that was pushed on us in the very beginning, especially as Black people. And then when we get to a point, it's kind of just like, okay, I'm not my race. I'm allowed to be a singular person. But at the same time, it's a constant struggle all the time where it's kind of like you have to fit the stereotype or else you're an outsider, you're weird, you're different, da 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 And then it's kind of like when it's become socially acceptable to be a certain way, then it's like, okay, then that's actually how Black people can be like, you know, where it's kind of like, yeah, we're seeing, especially with um, Black guys nowadays, it's like they're allowed to bask in their femininity. They're allowed to like go ahead and dress up and wear really cool clothes and include dresses and stuff and wear nail polish and everything like that. Originally, when um, people or Black men started doing that, they were looked at as weird or odd. But now because it's a fashion statement, everyone's now going on that trend, that bandwagon. So it's like even being just yourself, even when it's unpopular, is a big thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think to solve a lot of these problems running stereotypes is that we need to stop treating white people as the default because when you do that, everyone else becomes racialized by like default, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, like stereotypes in all places should be removed because like, why do I get to be whatever I want to be? Like the nerd, the the cheerleader, I can't dance, so I actually couldn't be a cheerleader. But um, yeah, and then like Black people get to be like, the baby mama or whatever is like one of the stereotypes that I've seen a lot, which is weird because yeah, <laughs> why is that a stereotype? Like, yeah, or like just the jock or something or the mean. Yeah, girl. the jock, specifically like basketball or football. Yeah, like all the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what we get to see being fed to us in social media and in films and television. So it's kind of like inherently it's mirroring what we see in our realities, which is weird because it's like, okay, you see a jock now and he acts a certain way on TV, but then now you're seeing them act the same way in person. It's kind of just like, mm, something's not making sense here. But yeah, I find that really interesting for sure. Not having white people as a default, <laughs> decentralizing yourself from colonization is <laughs> really difficult, I have to say, especially being from an African country. It's kind of like colonization is a byproduct of a lot of our issues and now post-colonization is kind of just like okay where are we left with now but then in the home structures and the way that we think the way that we are it's like white is basically the standard how do we get away from that so we don't feel like we're failing ourselves pretty much where are our own standards so yeah I definitely agree with your point with that that was good do you have anything to leave us with like any wise words of knowledge or whatever as young as I am, I would say wise words of knowledge is honestly, don't allow yourself to be limited by social media. Social media is a fraction of our reality and allowing it to dictate dictate a lot of our 
living is just negative within ourselves. Stay away from <laughs> Instagram filters. Stay away from going ahead to constantly crop yourself and put yourself in a picture perfect ideology. It's not healthy for you. The minute you get to a point where you constantly have to edit yourself and constantly feel like you're not good enough is when you lose yourself. Get to a point where you get comfortable with your imperfections and the things that make you uncomfortable. And don't be afraid to try something new all the time. So yeah, that's I guess that's what I would say and everything like that. So yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for coming. Once again, this is Casual Convos with me, Lillian. Uh see you all next episode. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have an interesting story or you want to share, please privately message us on at Curly Podcast. Special thanks to Shalei and our social media director. Make sure to follow us on Instagram to view updates and potential episodes. See you the Thursday after next Thursday. We encourage all listeners to do independent research on the events mentioned.